Thank you for listening to Sexploration with Monica. I'm your host, Sexpert Monica Thomas. I'm also a certified sexual health educator, and I love talking about sex on the radio. I've actually been doing this for like 16 years now, and I still haven't done a show about feet. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. I've brought my, I want to say festy bestie, feisty bestie, <laughs> Eve Minax of Get the Kinks Out and eveminax.com. And we're going to talk about all the delicious things that you can experience pleasure with your tootsies and, you know, some of the things that people fetishize and love and experience and find uniquely sensational. She's also got some really interesting projects going on with Tashra. Do you want to talk about Tashra? I just want to point out, though, that we're also pedicure buddies. Yes, we are. We and love getting pedicures together. Every time we get pedicures together, I have to photograph her feet and also then post it up on my social media. <laughs> so if you would like to to see Monica Thomas's fabulously, uh, my freshly, tootsies. yes, then you might want to check out Twitter. Okay. Eve Minax on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can hawk my... My tootsies oh, on I've been Twitter. I've telling you for, for years to hawk those tootsies. Yeah. No, I have done a little bit of work, you know, early, early, early. Even before I started the show, I just uh, did some ads on Craigslist because, you know, like, who knows what you're going to find on Craigslist. Hmm. Um, and I had a couple foot sessions, but oftentimes I would find that people wanted more than just feet. Mm. And um, that's really all I wanted to offer. And mm -hmm. sometimes the negotiation would get a little weird. And so, you know, like people would conflate. I would, I want to be tied up with, I want to tie you up, which is really a different thing. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I, if I wanted to get tied up, if I was willing to be tied up, I would have invited a friend to make sure that I was safe if, mm -hmm. if you were going to tie me up. But, you know, me preparing to tie you up, I feel very safe if I have tied you up. So that's a totally different thing. Are you ticklish? Mm, I sometimes can train myself to not be ticklish. Like I can just refuse in some situations. But oh, you're so one of those. Yeah. I call BS. I'm sorry. I have to jump <laughs> no, it's in. True. There is no such thing. If you're ticklish, you're ticklish, especially no, if there's a place. That's not true. Really? You can find a way to be like, nope, I'm just turning that off. But Do you agree with that? If you're sensitive to, to it, I mean, but it, if you're not in the right mood to refuse, like, there was a little moment where I was like, actually, I am. But, you know, sometimes. You know, I can refuse right now. Well, I mean, okay, so radio. like if I think about the passing of I'm my like, goldfish. I'm enjoying that massage, actually. She's grabbing my arm. And I'm like, <laughs> actually, it's sort of sore there. I think you may have a point. I mean, I have met numerous. I'm a tickle fetishist. So mm. 
I've met numerous people over the years who say that they are not ticklish, and I go to tickle them, and they are. Or I've oh, they met are pe- ticklish. Yeah, oh. and then I've met people who say that they are ticklish, or they are, but they can control it like you do, and sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like you said, whether they're open to it or not. Mm-hmm. But, but I, it has something to do with the submissiveness and feeling safe. Well, no, because no? I, I, yeah, I agree with, uh, uh, Paul. Paul, thanks. I agree with Paul here <laughs> in that. She wasn't happy that. With Paul. I always forget it's names. Fine. It's terrible. You can, you can agree with Paul. I don't mind. He's funny. Um, <laughs> no, but he's got a point because I'm going to out myself here. Do it. I am 100% extremely ticklish. Oh. Like pee your pants ticklish kind of? Oh. I can't stop laughing. I'm I, so uncomfortable. Why are you ticklish? And oh, when no. I was a child, they could barely bathe me. Oh. It was that bad. And I still am. Mm. So I, I don't know how to turn. I mean, if I tried a, a million years, I would not be able to turn that off. So I think he's got a point. Maybe he's ticklish like me, and he knows what that's like to live. Speak. Do you? Do I know what it's like to live? In other words, do I just let go? Are you ticklish sometimes? Yeah, but like I I guess, like I was saying, the only thing when you said, if only if I'm in the mood or if I'm focused on it, like I was about to say, is that rebellion is my way, and like I also can do this thing of like it's something like being manly, like something like being uh, like shutting off your emotions. mm, Yes. And also the other thing is like, you know, when you... Men can't do that either. They just do it. They just do it in a different way than women. Well, it's like putting something in a box, right? You're like, okay, I'm putting my ticklishness in a box. That's a totally different show. No, I think think it's about degrees. Like I am extremely ticklish and I am very, very good at withholding a number of emotions and actions and everything else (laughs) in my... Professionally. Yes, indeed. And I cannot imagine in a million years being able to control and because i've tried when i was a child that was the way they they they, my siblings tortured me oh that sounds i loved it i loved it i hated it and it's a love-hate thing oh i love tickling people now though Right, and there's some people that just don't like tickling too, right? There's just some people that don't like tickling. Like we were just, you're just saying tickling feet. My significant other hates having their feet touched. Mm -hmm. And so that's not a joyous event. It's not joyous. It's not interesting. It doesn't take you back to childhood. It doesn't do anything other than piss her (laughs) off. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. I've worked with a number of, I have a really funny story too about that. I've worked with a number of people over the years who I've had to really remember in my head that they're, they're ticklish and they don't like it mm. because as soon as I see when I'm playing with someone. Oh, and then you see the and opportunity see and you're like. And that they're responding like in a ticklish fashion. I just want to go for it, you know? Mm. And it's just like, like Paul said. It's not erotic. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It can kill the scene. So mm. don't do it. This is where you you want to, you know, pay attention to your partner. Well, and, and then read I th- their symbols. And then I think there's other times you're just susceptible to it. You're more open to it, just like anything else in life, right? And so there's times where you're going to be more apt to laugh and giggle 
when you're being tickled, not when your goldfish just passed away. Oh my gosh! Oh my <laughs> well, no, it, this is a, goldfish or nice. No goldfish were harmed <laughs> no, in the filming of this podcast. Exploration with Monica. <laughs> no. That's true, Monica. I want to remind you that when we get our pedicures done. That part where they do the little scrubbing on the... Oh, mm. Remember what happens with me every time? Mm. Where I have to go... <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I even like almost fall out of my chair and the yeah. women start laughing at me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is... They're not even trying to tickle me. They're scrubbing my feet with little abrasive bars. I, I sometimes get oversensitive when that happens. Oversensitive, I mean, she calls it now. Well, you know, you're like, whoa, I'm, that's really my feet. Whoa. I mean, they are trying to, you know, remove layers of and get in there. Skin. Yeah. I argue the point, is there ever such a thing as overly sensitive? Also true. But it, it also, in my opinion, depends on the context and the situation. So I was going to make a metaphor around when I'm playing pool, like if someone is like doing some sexist thing, like girls can't play pool, like that's when my ability to play pool like comes on in the same way that like being tickled and the rebelliousness of, you know, showing how not ticklish I am, that my ability turns on when someone is like, I bet you're ticklish and I can tickle you. And then I'm like, and then I sometimes can find a way not to be. But You can bring one can, well, I can, bring um, certain people to a ticklegasm. Ooh. Back to footgasm. Ticklegasm is, an, is another form where they have rolling um, orgasms. That's awesome. And it's great to do with guys who are ticklish who are into that. Right. Because they get to experience another aspect of their sexuality that they don't often get to. And oftentimes when they ask their partners to tickle them, they don't want to. You're like, ew, that's weird. Oh, And that's yeah. a pity, isn't it? Yeah. It's not Aww. lovely to yeah. shame your partner for no. their eccentric desires. And not eccentric. <laughs> perfectly natural, Thank lovely, you. beautiful desires. What's eccentric? Hold on. Huh? Oh, sorry. I mean, and anything that is non-normative oftentimes is... Only if you believe in normative folks. Here we go. Yeah, Wait, you don't I was have say, to believe in... Normal? You don't have to believe in normativity. In fact, you know, I find anti-normativity is like a fun game that we all get to play together in San Francisco, right? So, some social <laughs> norms are just boring. Right. And, you know, especially when it comes to pleasure, like... More is better. I mean, vanilla is my new kink. Yay. So, <laughs> we want to talk about like all the different ways of doing foot gasms and more foot play. I also want to talk a little bit about your work at Tashra and the interesting things that you are doing with neurodiversity and healing PTSD. Okay. So that's a lot. We're going to start with just talking about my work with Tasha. Tasha stands for the Alternative Sexuality Health Research Alliance. Mm. Mm -hmm. What they are is a group of clinicians that started about 12 years ago to do some research on BDSM and kink and how to get clinicians better understanding around people who practice those practices. And... 
then it evolved into more and more research and more and more research around the neurobiology or the physiobiology of how the body responds when it's engaging in certain activities around kink. So, for example, endorphins would be one that um, we look to right away. Mm -hmm. And one of the first ones there would be your dopamine. Right. Right. So our body makes fabulous drugs, right? Yes, really good drugs. <laughs> I've always said my body makes better drugs than, you know. Well, and they're so clean and you get over them. So clean yeah, well, without toxicity. I don't know. I, I, I think you can get a little toxicity from it, but... Uh, I, I don't mind that, but I, I don't know actually the research on that. I'll have to ask Tasha. Oh, you mean when you're like super high off of? Yeah, you just need to be cautious. Yeah, like if you're if you're really if you're really high on the endorphins and you can't think straight, mm. um, then you'd need to have some extra care there. But I don't know if that's toxicity exactly. The research that they're doing is so fascinating because if you think about it. These things happen with us all the time, right? Like right now, the cortisol levels may be... Slightly elevated. Slightly elevated. Because we're on the radio. Because we're on the radio. Live. We're, we're activated. We're mm -hmm. live. And there could be some oxytocin happening between you and me because... because we love each other. We love each other and we're bonding, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so what's interest, what was interesting to me was when Tasha started bringing out this research, and, I, and I've been a long-term volunteer with them, they started dialoguing about like, okay, here's a scenario. And I'd start to think about, okay, here's a scene. So you bring someone in, they're nervous. Cortisol levels are up. You calm them down, help them feel trust. The trust starts to build some oxytocin. The endorphins kick in. And then the dopamine starts to kick in. And then maybe they start feeling more relaxed and calmer. And then you might want to like, punch in a little more cortisol, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so this is part of a kind of, I mean, it's not really just a scene, but it's like how you work with all the different biochemical neurotransmitters. ways. Neurotransmitters. Yeah, neurotransmitters. Like you're going up, you're going down, and then you're consciously trying to control those with BDSM, which is... Yeah, I wouldn't say control. That's just my language. I, I would say more, Maybe. yeah, managing, guiding, manipulating, if you mm. will. Mm -hmm. But m not manipulation in the term of like evil manipulation. <laughs> Unless, right. of course, that's the game you're playing. Right. Um, if it's consensual. Exactly. Let me give you a clearer example. So bondage, mummification, things like that yes. are very reassuring to some folks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we did that at the supper club. You had someone in a big, so sorry. it was like a balloon, only it was... Oh yeah, that was my balloon. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's a latex balloon, uh, inflatable, where you put the person inside and yeah. and roll them around. It's quite fun. Yeah, like she loved it. Yeah, she did. It was a great yeah. night. But what I'm getting at there is, this kind of moves on to working with neurodivergencies. So say someone's on the spectrum, mm -hmm. Asperger's. Oftentimes, that sort of pressure, that compression around the body can help calm them. Mm. You know, this is based in, do you know Temple Grandin's work? It's so interesting to oh, like... Oh, yeah. Temple Grandin is the... Okay, she's the autistic girl who helped well, the cows. Woman. She started as a girl, though, didn't she, with cows? 
Oh, well, I think her research was was when she was older. Oh, okay, sure. Well, anyway, so she helped make the slaughtering process of cattle much more humane because they wouldn't just be forced into the kennels. They would be led in a way that worked with their natural patterning of going. It wouldn't be terrifying to them in the same way that the previous cattle ranching procedures would be yeah. basically and then yeah. you'd get and and, cortisol and I apologize to any uh, vegetarians out there that mean, mean we should have given a little disclaimer a there little first. warning yeah yeah um but basically that research has then uh really uh been helpful to the autistic community in helping you know relax autistic children and help them modulate their own neurodivergencies in a moment by assisting them, basically. So in my work in BDSM, I'm also practicing some of these measures. The measures of calming and working with the different desires, we'll we'll just mention that we currently have a a small animal in the studio that has some desires around... (laughs) Being heard and noticed. And it does not need her own microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Twyla. Yeah. <laughs> little Twyla. For those of you who know me, you know Twyla Twinkletoes, my little disabled and very uh, rambunctious Precocious. chihuahua. Who is oftentimes very calm during situations like this, which I thought she would be today, but no, she's not. Oh, um, she just wanted attention. I could tell she literally went right underneath both of you ladies and just kind of looked up at the table like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she was she's like kind vocal. of trying to like sway my pant leg. You know, she's like, yeah, I'm going to play with your pant leg so you pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Temple Grandin. and Well, the- basically working with folks. And so that can still be erotic. So imagine if part of your eroticization, your form of erotic and or sexual play is, gee, I'd like to be mummified and then slowly masturbated, for example. You know, and your partner may not want to do that. They may not be comfortable with that. But that's really a neurodivergent, or I don't even like to say, you know, it's just to me, it's, it's, it's just like you get to have that. And research now shows that we can work it's not just me going, oh, I just know this because if I press that button, your body does this. Now I get to say, oh, well, look, there's research out there that says, look at what's happening with your body. These are different uh, chemicals in your body that are working for, with, and sometimes against you. And that's what we're going to do. So there's a lot of different examples on that kind of um, research. Yeah. Or my kind of, um, the kind of work that I'm doing around it. So this has been my like life's work. And that's why I'm really excited to actually have collaboration and mm-hmm. science uh, behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, think about humiliation, for example, what, do, what it does to the body and mind, how you determine when and where it's healing or it's harmful. Because mm-hmm. that's a psychological state, right? Mm-hmm. Consensual non-consent can really work well as a tool to healing from sexual abuse and or assault. Right. If so it when empowers. you're agreeing that even though I'm 
pretending to say no, I'm actually a yes, that can be healing for people because they're re-experiencing it from a place of explicit consent. Yeah, of, and they're of able power to and control. Their mm -hmm. Trauma. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not overnight. I want to be clear that what we're doing with Tasha right now is we're creating um, a network. We're calling people like me the good old-fashioned dominatrix, somatic kink and BDSM workers or providers in collaboration with clinicians because clinicians can't do hands-on work. Mm -hmm. But clinicians may be able, at some time in the near future, refer their patients out to people who do hands-on work and they can work collaboratively. You know, I don't know if about you, but I love talk therapy, but I have to say sometimes I'm just like, I'm tired of talking, you know? And there's something really magical. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes after a massage, you feel like talking about something really important, or you feel like not talking at all when normally you're very talkative. It sort of can help soothe or bring up things for you because things oh, are trapped like in the body. Rearrange. Yeah some ideas. Yeah. Do you know the book, um, The Body Keeps the Score? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have heard of that. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a great book. Mm -hmm. But it really does, you know. And so anytime you're, you're dealing with the body, things are going to come up psychologically, emotionally, physically. Mm -hmm. Other areas of interest for me right now are DS relationships, Mm -hmm. including age and animal play. So that's dominance and submission relationships. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. As a source for parenting and reparenting. Mm. So, you know, those bring up other issues um, around behavior, right? Like, mm -hmm. where do you feel safe? Where do you want to behave in a fashion that's going to be beneficial for yourself primarily, but also those around you. So this would be reparenting in a context of this person has already grown up, um, but then they just kind of want to rearrange how they feel about some things that happened in their past? Yeah, you could say that. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily as overt as that, and then mm -hmm. sometimes it's can be very, very much overt. And I also think, personally, as a person who, who tends to play more of the... Um, the parental role in relationships, I too have reparented myself in those relationships by uh, recognizing mistakes and or seeing things in others that I used to have and then having a better knowledge around how that might be adapted or, or worked mm -hmm. in, a, in a more meaningful or positive way as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, just you little shit bag. You know, what the hell are you doing again? Um, and so you're able to be like, oh, that's why my parent was so reactive in that way. And this is how I can kind of rearrange. Yeah. And lucky for me, I understand dialectical behavioral therapy or right. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, but I'm more of a DBT person. Um, What's a DBT again? Dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh, okay. Which is, I'm sorry. It's a little bit less... Um, so dialectical is cognitive. talking? So I know what CBT is, is <laughs> cognitive. Right, cognitive tends to focus more on... Um, also cock and ball torture, but... Right, exactly. That's why we like to make that joke. Um, <laughs> but dialectical, there's a number of practices that you utilize to regulate your emotions. So you have to, you know, it's like... You recognize your emotion first, and then you recognize, oh, I'm feeling anger. 
but am I really feeling anger? Is that my primary emotion or my secondary emotion? It's usually mm. not. You're the, and the layers. And so behind uh, anger oftentimes is fear, for example. So there's, that's a common one for me, for example. I mm -hmm. might show uh, anger instead of fear. But if you know me well enough and I know myself well enough, I know how to articulate to you, listen, I'm not angry. I'm just really scared. And here's why. Right. It's really meaningful and powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, and then you, there's emotion regulation around that, too, because if you're really angry and you don't want to be seen as angry because you're feeling fearful, then the last thing you want to do is continue to be angry. Like, I'm not angry. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. not really going to work. So you have to. So there's all kinds of things to, to DBT that I really love. And I like practicing with people, even though they don't know that I'm practicing it with them, mm. um, because I think it's a good thing for everyone. On that note, can I continue with my... Please. Please, sorry. Yeah. So cross-dressing or other role plays that require touch. Mm -hmm. The therapist can work out the psychological, and I can guide the client to a new level of comfort, validation, or actualization around that work. Um, you know, I don't like to use the term cross-dressing, to be honest, but and I never have. But the reality is it's the closest and the easiest uh, language we have to understand you know, what that is. And what that is usually, uh, oftentimes, uh, is more so the male-identified person has uh, been raised in this society where he is not allowed to, you know... Be feminine, be sexual. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think a lot of times it is actually helpful to access emotions like cute, funny sweet, sad, mm -hmm. uh, and exactly like you said, sensual, more sensual than just pounding mm. the old wife, you know? Mm. Cross-dressing or feminization or, or, or gender play, as Rocky I like to call horror. it. Yes. Right? Yes. It runs a huge spectrum, giant yeah. spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't really dig all that up until we, we do another podcast just on that subject. But basically, um, there's a lot of trauma around... Uh, especially, I think, people who were born and raised male mm. uh, having to force all those softer emotions away. Mm. Yeah. And then also sometimes it's, a it's a bit twisted mm -hmm. because they'll actually have like a dual concept and they'll say like, oh, well, if I were a woman, I would just be a slut. <laughs> it's like, well, you probably wouldn't. Because being a woman, <laughs> yeah, actually trying to be a slut is actually not that fun because they shame you away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, other things. So, yeah. you know, it's a whole binary construct that really needs to be. Uh, and, I, and I love society and how we are now working towards a better way of understanding gender spectrums and mm -hmm. codification and all yeah, that. Yeah, gender and roles and, you know, the man box and not having to be in such a tight little constrictive box, like actually, oh, what is my authentic feeling about how to behave and what do well, I and, think is... And I just find in particular, people say like, oh, guys, they just, they dress so boringly. But as soon as a guy puts on, I don't know, some fingernail polish or eyeliner or just wears a skirt or something, and then suddenly everyone's going, oh, my God, did you see that? Or the partner is going, that's not manly enough. That's not a cool message. Cause, we damned it for doing, we damned it for doing. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, honestly, I like to see people of all 
genders, genders persuasions, etc., etc., looking as pretty as they possibly can. They so if that means, freely, right? yeah, and I've always felt that way. Mm-hmm. In fact, short story from my childhood. I remember being eight years old, and I come from a different time and a different place, right? Let's just say Midwest a while ago. And I'm eight years old, and I remember thinking, if I want to wear jeans this badly, there must be a boy out there somewhere who really wants to wear a dress. Right, and now there's a poster. Oh, does it say that? No, yeah, there is exactly, for every woman who wants to wear jeans, there is a man who would like to wear a skirt. And there's a poster, and it's, you know, something that you would see at Planned Parenthood or something like that. Yeah, it's really, uh, it is now a, a real thing, a real dream. Well, then that is super exciting, and I'm glad to hear it. So we're here with Eve Minax of Getting the Kinks Out, and she's talking about her work with Tashra. Did you get through the? I just have a couple more, like sensory depth and sensory overload. Meaning, oh, that would be more like overloading the sympathetic nervous system. Yes. So folks with ADHD, for example, right, oftentimes respond pretty well when you overstimulate them because it's so much for them, because they can take a lot, so that it kind of parallels them out, like Mm. evens them out. Also, blindfolds work really well for a lot of ADHD folk and bondage if they're open to those things. So those are some other activities. Oh, I have some notes here. Narcissism and empathy training with mirrors, using boundaries, Stating desire fulfillment. Oh, you're smiling at that one. I oh, like no, that. I'm just smiling because your dog is licking in the microphone louder than you're <laughs> talking into it. So you should definitely talk more into your microphone and yes, get dear. the dog away from the <laughs> lickety licker. I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> yeah, and okay. then, uh, she just loves you. Yeah. And, and I think then, you know, one of my final notes here is just basically radical self-acceptance for... All. Amen. Radically accepting yourself. Hallelujah. I mean, we all need to hail Satan. <laughs> radically oh, accept me, ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't get any of the Kool Aid this evening. <laughs> oh, San Francisco has Kool Aid, and it's nice. And it's it's hard, I think, some sometimes because you know we want to be perfect and we want to do things right and perfectly. And sometimes it's easy to criticize yourself. Absolutely. And then it's just a lot of weight to be carrying. I feel like a big weight has been lifted just listening to you two ladies. Really? Yeah. How so? Because it's so enlightening that we can all coexist in this world and still get our needs met, even though we're all so different. Well, yeah, in theory. (laughs) In theory. Well, yeah, I know. We I can, guess we're very basic. But do we? Oh, you mean, oh, do we, we try? Yeah. Well, well, we try. It, it, start, it starts right here. It starts with this podcast. Oh. That's right. That's and, why you're here, you and Paul, Monica. Well, it's, yeah, it's because we're like, hey, how, how can I talk more about all the different kinds of things that you could want? And that way people can have a selection of all the different ways of. Especially with foot fetish, there's so many people who find foot fetish because their sexuality was constrained as they were children. 
And, you know, I hear stories from potential clients or, or whatever that they, they love feet because they remember as a child, as a baby, you know, walking around and, and looking at mom's feet and, or, you know, they weren't really able to be sexual, but being interested in feet is okay. And, and certainly there's all these beautiful shoes that it's okay to have sexy shoes, but is just being sexy okay? Like boobs are, is, are boobs okay? And you know, and so there's a lot in this society to unpack around like how much sexuality is suppressed anyway, but then sort of like more okay to look at sexy shoes and be like, oh, those shoes are hot. But then, can you wear those to church? Can you wear well, sexy, church, sexy you can shoes? Have, you, can, you can fetishize church shoes, sure. And speaking of church, there's also a really deeply rooted fetish in feet in numerous cultures and numerous religions. Here in the U.S., we tend to be a little more Christian, so washing the feet of Christ. Ah, yes. That was a Mary Magdalene thing that she it was kind of a, a metaphor. Yes. Even yeah. for having sex with yeah. kneeling at the feet of Christ and something hair and I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. And she was a, a prostitute. Exactly. God yeah. bless her. Yeah. And, you know, in some cultures, you know, they think we're crazy because we don't, we wear our shoes in the house. How bizarre is that? Oh, yeah. And a little bit gross. Yeah. Totally gross. I agree. In Alaska, we don't wear shoes in the house, but oh, yeah. that's because it's like, slogging through you know <laughs> yeah lots and layers I'm from of, the midwest yeah. exactly yeah you don't, so it, it, you in california people are like yeah whatever wear your shoes inside and we're kind of like ew mm -hmm. yeah so the shoe the feet to me and like i was mentioning earlier for those of you who may have missed it i'm kind of orgasmic in my feet i mean for me it's like walking around with my genitalia like exposed i have to be really <laughs> cautious and careful around how that that goes for me it's super sensitive I think there's just a lot to be said about the meaning of the foot like when you said about the mother you know you hear you are a lot of fetishes do come from that place of being down there on the floor and looking up right so there's the upskirt mm -hmm. fetish mm -hmm. and they still use that a lot in the movies oh you know who's a well-known shrimper do you know what a shrimper is I do know what a shrimper is a shrimper is someone who puts all the feet, all the feet in their mouth. Well, shrimping is actually somebody who, who worships feet in general, mm -hmm. but it's the, and they lick the it's basically toes? the toes, you know, really, really dig the shrimp, oh, like, like little shrimp, shrimp, like little yeah. shrimpies. Oh, like they're devouring little shrimp. Oh. So it's pretty well known. And I think it's even well known in society at this point in time, or at least in Hollywood, that there's a well-known director who's a, a massive shrimper. And if you look at his work, you will see so many foot shots, naked foot shots. <laughs> Do you know who it is? No, I, I don't. But I don't watch that many it movies. Has anything to do with Forrest Gump? Is it Cor Cor <laughs> Corsese? Scorsese? No, no. It's um. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. I just had his name in my head. Oh, that's funny. Um, it's a mystery. <laughs> I can picture his. We're not going to tell you now. <laughs> it's just uh, a secret that we're just going to. Maybe you'll come. It'll come to you at the, the end of the podcast. But we're going to talk also about all the different kinds of foot fetishes because there's f 
foot fetishes that are into being dirty. And then there's foot fetishes that are into being clean, right? So there's foot fetishist that wants the feet or wants your toes to be unwashed, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a foot fetishist who wants your feet to be freshly pedicured. And and washed necessarily isn't about, it's kind of a funny thing. It's more um, generally about the smell, the odor. So it's stinky. So they're associating the scent. Mm -hmm. So it's more of an olfactory. What kind of scent? The smellier, smellier the better. Smelly feet. So like more cheesy? Yeah. Feedier. Well, you know. Well, I- that's the thing. Because when you're making cheese, it was originally made by monks and they would step on the cheese. So there are plenty of cheeses that were stepped on by monks. And that actually is the natural foot bacteria of monks in ancient France. And that's why feet taste like cheese. It also sometimes is like armpits because we are all using that same kind of bacteria in the cheese to make the scent. Well, do you I miss like cheese, when they stop Monica? On, when they st- I do miss cheese, and I'm going to France, and I'm not saying no to cheese. Oh, you're not going to say no? No, no. Oh. No, I'm in France. Then I it's get good a pass. cheese anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the healthy. Gem la fromage. Uh, I was going to say Gem fromage. We oui. feet and yes. their connection to cheese. Yes. So I was just remembering. I've had so many experiences, but uh, a lot of times, you know, you, what I would do is. I would choose a pair of shoes that say were made of vinyl, oh, not because leather. That would they actually don't make you more sweaty. Yeah, and then you wear those without any socks for try to wear them for two or three days and exert nice exercise and, funky. and and the things that you I would normally find offensive or un, unhappy making. Right, you'd for be like, me. <laughs> Cook that up, basically. I, I used right. to call it cooking. Um, oh, yeah, underarms too. Mm. Uh, underarms are another place it's funny you should mention that because i only certain people only certain submissives of mine have been granted the underarm because <laughs> i i can i have arm, like that's for me arm armpit gasm oh you yeah, do have an something. armpit gasm. yeah wow, wow that's so from special foot gasm to armpit gasm wow and so is that like it's is it related to the tickle gasm at all or is it completely separate? Me. Can you have an armpit gasm and a tickle gasm, or are they Switzerland? For me, it's Switzerland. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're not really the f- related. Well, I think they are related. And they're in neutral the territory. Sense of nerve nerve endings and sensory application, but tickle tends to be and sympathetic nervous system. Yes. Aha. But I think tickling tends to be more raucous. Mm. So it's more like a. Right. You know, and the uh, armpit is more like a... Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the difference is between those two sounds. No, I do. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I can only describe things in sounds. Yeah, so it's more of a, it's like deep, a deep feeling of vibration and frustration? or No, not frustration. Or, or, but getting to orgasm, so something's building... So it's a peak sensation that's building. Yes. And that's all I have to say. So, you know, it's so fun when you have real, really experienced, 
happy foot people in your life, if you are a foot person yourself, as you mm. very well know. Mm -hmm. I had a long-term submissive foot slave who, the very first time we met, he, this is when, when I was in Chicago and he was actually living out here. And he was owned by like three mistresses or something out here and they all lived together and it was, you know, fabulous and they'd send him off with a little note. Um, Cute. But I knew he was in defeat and everything, and, and I came to my dungeon. I was running a little bit behind, but I wasn't late for our appointment, but he was early. He was at the doorstep. And I was wearing, strangely enough, and I don't wear sneakers very often, although, strangely enough, I'm wearing them today. I was wearing sneakers, though, and I was just, I made him get down on the, on the street and kneel and worship my sneakers right on, on mm. Clark Street in, in Chicago. Cute. <laughs> and and oh, he was gorgeous. Really a sweet guy. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then I've fisted, footed people. We call it footing. You've put the foot, foot in the butt. Oh. Oh. Or, wow. in, or in the <laughs> vagina. Wow. Okay. And so do you have to put your foot in a particular shape to make that work? Yes, and you can actually wrap a condom around your foot. Oh, that makes sense. That makes it probably more aerodynamic, yeah, too, and more slippery. Mm -hmm. It aids in, in the, the and also lots of lube, lots of lube. And we're all making. I'm making. <laughs> yeah, the, were. the fisting. <laughs> For those of you on the radio, I'm making a the silent duck international hand. fisting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, some foot fetishists are really just about the feet, you know, the beauty and uh, the hardcore sort of classic foot fetishist, if you will, in that domain tends to want to see a very high arch, mm -hmm. smaller feet, although larger feet have become more popular over the years, which I'm very glad of since mm -hmm. I wear a size 10, uh -huh. but a high arch and sort of a six and a half. Those size queens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, you know that the that it's been scientifically proven, like what is the highest heel that your foot can ever manage? Oh. It's about five and a half inches, I believe. So that's why when you see shoes, they can't go... No matter what size foot you have, if you have a size 5 or a size 12, you can't bend your foot any higher or lower than five and a half feet. So that's when they have to start using the platform. Oh, that. So they actually did some math on that. So yeah. they really are I like, have, I'm not going to torture you with impossible shoes. I have the drawings at home somewhere, probably in a box. Maybe one of your viewers or your listeners will tell me or tell us later, but it's either Kroll or Stanton, who did the actual measurements. And it's a fantastic series of drawings of the hmm. foot in its classic best form. Hmm. And I've looked at this over and over and over everywhere from, you know, Manolo Blahniks to Jessica Simpson heels or what have you. So I've five never... and a half inch heels, that's Yeah, it. it's like either five and a half or six. It, it might be in centimeters better. It but... probably oh, had see. to be part of the patent pending on actually what would work. Mm-hmm. Like physiologically. And then, and then after that, you go to the ballet boot style, mm, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you know. Mm -hmm. I understand. And you cannot walk in those. Right. Because you will you ruin can't. your feet. <laughs> you have to be a ballerina, basically. And but, they get like point training. Yeah. You'd have to have And then they also points. kind of ruin their feet. Anyway, like we've yeah. all seen that one movie. 
That one. Can't remember that movie. Sure. Why? Yeah, I've that seen one. that movie. That one. The you movie know, about the uh, oh the snowflake, the yeah. swan lake, swan, the, the swan, Swans. black yeah. swan, black swan. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. I was psychically projecting it you to were, you, and I was like, that buddies. movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that movie. She well, she ruins her feet and also her legs, and I mean, she well, she's a little bit of um. Not a masochist. She's more of a... We don't need to talk about that movie. Yeah. Well, anyway... we want to cover some more ground. Oh, yeah. Speaking okay. of covering ground... Yes. So another form <laughs> of foot fetish... Go eat. When, when you have foot fetishists, um, sometimes when you work with people, like you might, they may start out to just be like, oh, I just want a little prostate stimulation and some light cross-dressing. And then you've been working with them for 10 years, and now they're a full-blown porn star oh you know so the sure. same thing with feet you know they may start by being a foot oh, fetish baby f- steps and then maybe eventually they're really into trampling oh yes trampling the trampling is often based yes, on a foot trampling. fetish mm-hmm. um, so trampling is when you actually want to put your feet on people's face and then they step on your face or sometimes heels Oh, yes. um, I cut my teeth in Melbourne, Australia on kink or on BDSM. Mm-hmm. I would go to this club every whatever it was. And one time I went there and I was wearing 10 inch thigh high boots that I had. And they were 10 inches. Why? Because they had a four inch platform. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. So this guy had made his own little, just imagine you have a banister on either side and then you have like a little rack down on the ground. So the guy would lie on the rack part on the ground oh. so that you, as the trampler, mm-hmm. could walk across his body and hold yourself so that you didn't put full weight or you didn't, if you did start to, you could put full weight when you wanted to or where it was safe. Mm-hmm. So I did that on him mm. with my stiletto boots. Big, big boots. I was with a friend of mine, and she's just like, oh, my God. I've mm. never seen a happier man in all my life. <laughs> she said, I was terrified when you went up there. Because you were wearing these big, big shoes. Yeah, and I did it really slowly, too, so that it was there was also this tension of, like, mm. where's that heel going to go and how far big, will it? big heel. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, that's also a space where some people would prefer, like if you, basically, if you get a foot fetishist contacting you, or if you have a partner or a play partner in your life who says that they're really, they really love feet or they like to play with feet or what have you, try to be open-minded and ask a question, you know, like, oh, do you like bare feet? You know, if you're up, if you're open to it, try it. Do you like bare feet? Do you like to have your your feet sucked on or do you want to suck on mine or do you want to polish my nails or do you want to see me in heels or do you want to wear the heels or do you want us to both wear heels? I mean, there's a huge spectrum there mm. that's not to be discounted. In addition to what I have found being a more open to foot sensation because my sexuality has been developing throughout my lifetime. And now that I have had these experiences of foot worship, I have noticed that more of my sexuality, I have more consciousness of my feet. And so sometimes I really feel 
the more sensation in my full body, so definitely not only not not counting the sensations in my feet, but if I am able to put the bottom of my feet on a lever while we're playing, or if I can have all of the energy in my body going not nowhere, but that it is the system that's connected so that I can integrate both the sensations of my feet with the sensations of my genitals and the mm-hmm. sensation of my mouth, all the other erotic sensations that are playing all around the entire body, like an integrated system. I mean, it makes sense with more full body orgasms, so more pleasure, but then also more relaxation. Absolutely. And and you can also do foot bondage mm. and you can also do bondage with your feet. Um, so what exactly my... is the difference between foot bondage and t- well, tell us I was about saying, foot bondage? Um, well, let's, let, let me talk about uh, the bondage with your feet first, because I think that's a better segue, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> one of my favorite things at the moment is I have this swaddling situation uh, oh, in yes. my dungeon. Yeah, totally. It's cute. Uh, in my play space. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability to have like a bondage bed underneath that. So I can get under the bondage bed after I've put the person in the the swaddling space. And then I can wrap my legs around them and hold them. I can move them in the swaddle. Mm -hmm. So they're like swinging around and moving. I can kick them, you know, not like hard kicking, but more like a thumping, jumping, Mm -hmm. pushing. play kind of thing. Yeah, total sensation, light corporal putting the foot in the mouth, if that's something they enjoy. Mm-hmm. So it's this encapsulation. Putting their foot in your mouth? No, my putting... foot in their mouth. Aha, uh-huh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain people, I'll put their foot in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thinking about this to, to utilize it as a, as a... So this is a great way to, to once again return to that sort of autistic and or ADHD. Mm. You know, you have this like calming. And if they're in defeat, of course, as well... This is just, you know, icing on the cake. Sure. Well, I literally don't actually know the difference between foot bondage and then Well, foot this. bondage would be more like, like when you're binding your up feet. The feet. Yeah, so shibari oh. style. Mm-hmm. Think of binding the feet in... Um, Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Practices. And even what and we were your just talking about with black the point. All... Yeah, that's... Yeah, mm-hmm. it's intense. And then, and of course... And they... you can also wrap small pieces of rope between the toes. Oh, the toes. Certain, yeah. And you can create, you can also, you can put bondage and on the toes. And does that become comfortable after a while or is it about the sensation of discomfort? Uh, I mean, strangeness, discomfort, something small like that where you can put them in a state where they can't walk, like back to the ballet shoes. Oh, right. So they may be mobile in theory, but they can't walk unless they're walking, you know, just on their heels, for Mm. example. Mm -hmm. So you can create what we call predicament situations. Right. Right. So if they try to move in a certain way, then if you have them trussed up in another way, then, 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 you know, something will fall or something will pull at a, a genital or... Mm. Ah, yes, because mm-hmm. you're sort of playing with them, like torturing them consensually because mm-hmm. you're torturing them pleasurably. Mm-hmm. Torment. Torment, yes. Well, I mean, you know, we know that torture means torment, but sometimes I like to use for the broader audience torment. Yeah, I mean, it's consensual and it's pleasurable. Like the... All parties are having fun. Exactly. Like even though it's 
oh no, I'm in a predicament. It's a predicament of like, tee hee hee, fun. <laughs> it's one I signed up for. Right, exactly. And it could be something very intense, like flogging, or I'm thinking of like medical play, because you also do medical play. But like, that's like some very intense stuff. But it's also, you know, if someone's signing up for that, people love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I firmly believe that everything's on a spectrum. Mm. So I can make medical really light and fluffy and sensual and not at all hardcore. But of course. Would you give me my vitamin B shot? <laughs> <laughs> we could make it fun. <laughs> do you need one? Not right now. Okay. But yes. You <laughs> <laughs> could do it on the radio. Oh, that would be so fun. Okay, and now next now I'm time. opening the syringe. Yay! And now I'm putting the alcohol well, on because... her left buttock. And, well, and because I, it... I could put a little Vaseline on the on the film screen. Or well, the, because you know, sometimes blur it you know, out, right? medical that... things and yeah. also gynecology, they're doing this thing to your genitals or they're doing this thing to your body and they're trying to make it as not sexy and not fun as possible. As cl but it's, clinical. But it's also very, like it could be pleasurable because the body is like a wonderland of sensation. And so I sometimes, I understand like why doctors are not trying to turn you on when they're doing a pelvic exam. But I, I do wish that, you know, we could just also have more fun with the body. And in some ways, I think, you know, medical play is a, is a way there. And then I, you know, also, you know, foot fetish, it's, uh, or mix the two and be, I'm your podiatrist. Podiatrist, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I actually I'm your podiatrist often, of I, love. I oftentimes say I'm also a pediatrician, a veterinarian. Yes. Oh, because you have little Because I, I, you know, I do age play and, mm -hmm. and animal play. Absolutely. Yeah. But going back to your... Feet. Um, no, I wanted to go back to feet, but you, I wanted to, to give you a little story about France, the medical system, since you're going to France. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please. So while I was in France, I had an appointment to look inside my... Oh. Yes, my yes. vagina with a... Um, what's that called? The... Uh, Speculum? No, the sonogram. The, oh, the wand? Like a... Yeah. Ultrasound. Ultrasound, thank you. Ultrasound. But they do insert it if they want to look for something inside of you, yeah. which is what happened. In your vagina. In my vagina. Yep. Not in mine. And checking. so I, I got to the clinic and I walk in and I say, I have an appointment and they're like, okay, come on over here. And the place is all wide open. Oh, so they're not like no stalls, you... no doors. The uh, technician says, well, okay, hop on up, you know, take your clothes off and hop on up on the table. <laughs> and so I do. And so I'm like naked in this room. And then he takes the, the little device, which goes inside of you. And then he lets me see what's on the screen. All right. If anyone listening here knows what I'm talking about compared to what it's like in the United States, let me give you a comparative. In the United States, when I went to get the same procedure, the male technician had to have a female right. present. Standing there. We were looking. We were surrounded you you know, by four walls. We're doing something naughty. He had six sheets on top of me mm -hmm. he had to like grapple around mm -hmm. to try to find me i was not permitted to look at the monitor to see anything oh and it was so 
shame giving and 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 just like so gross. Oh, and, and also so, disembodied. It was like you awful. weren't even able to look at what's happening to you. Whereas the experience in the complete open was friendly. It, I mean, everybody's doing their job. Like you right. don't have to. And we're look, we have bodies. Right. Side note on that. Anyone listening from next door who's an asshole about all the people in San Francisco who are ruining this town, those guys in the Castro have been walking around nude for a long time, and they have the right to do so as far as I'm concerned, even if the law is against it. And most of the time they're wearing socks on their dicks if you look down, by the way. Okay. Or a little hanky that's yeah. sparkly. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. to you, Monica. Sorry. And that was Eve Minax with the PSA. <laughs> Bodies right. are natural. And, you know, telling your, your child, don't look at that body, or stating on next door that you think that the body shouldn't be seen because it's old and fat. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I think it's better to accept our bodies as they are throughout our lifetimes and not have so much shame and suffering attached because that's adding more baggage to our experience as human beings on this planet. Yeah, it's just bullshit. And there's already enough stuff to be worried about, right? Hello. We've been talking to Eve Minax of Getting the Kinks Out and eveminax.com. We've romped through divergent sexualities and the physiology of kink. And she has something more to tell us one, about. One, one more thing. Tell me. Who was that person? <laughs> Paul wants to know, and I have it. And I've been hanging on to it. So for the finale, I'd like to share the famous shrimper with oh, y'all. Oh, the famous shrimper. Dun, 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 dun. It's not Forrest Gump. It's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, of course. Now, take course. a look at one of his movies and tell me yeah. you don't find at least four full-on frontal shrimp feet. foot shots. Yeah. Yeah. Pulp okay. fiction alone. Yeah, oh, and the recent one with this, now. Uh, the skater girl, I can't remember her name right now, but she has, she has a lot of foot scenes in that one. Yeah. Robert De Niro, and I don't remember the it's name. It's all about the feet. Robert De Niro and stilettos. Okay, now I'm starting <laughs> to why that's going on. All right. Thank you for coming on Sexploration with Monica, Eve Minax of Getting the Kinks Out. We've been talking about the neuro and physiobiology of kink with Tashra and neurodivergent sexualities and all the different kinds of pleasure that you can experience with your footsies. With your, yeah, with your feetsies and with the drugs in your body. And you can include all of it in your pleasure. You don't have to have a separation between this part of your body and that part of your body. The more we can stop thinking about sex as just a penis-vagina thing, the more we can include all of our bodies and all of the, the potential sensations and experiences and the less we compartmentalize Perhaps we will experience bigger and longer and more orgasms. And, and you seem to have a large diversity of different kinds of orgasms that you can experience from a lot of different places. Yes, I can experience and I can also help others experience new and interesting. Find your own orgasm 
in a different place, like maybe armpit gasms and nostrils, nostril gasms, the gums. Oh, you can have an orgasm on your gum, the roof of the mouth, rather. In the erogenous zone, and there's apparently a, there's ones that is like an about. erogenous zone that I even haven't heard of, which is saying a lot. The roof of the mouth. Oh, roof of the mouth. That's a good one. Also, back to feet, though. I think it's the third, pe- uh, the third shrimp in <laughs> is a direct link to your crotch. Yeah, crotch. Ah. But what's it called? The vagus nerve. Oh, vagus nerve. Yeah, that's an important nerve that goes all the way through your body. The vagus oh, nerve. Viva, viva the vagus. Viva the vagus. <laughs> viva the Yay. vagus. Thank you so much for coming on Sexploration with Monica, Eve. Thanks for having me, Monica. And Paul, you're a delight. Yeah. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us, Eve. You can find Eve at eveminax.com and getting the kinks out. She also has a Facebook page and Twitter, Instagram, Eve, E-V-E-M-I-N-E-N. Like I, I misspelled that. M-I-N-A-X. M-I-N-A-X. <laughs> like the spider. Thanks for coming on Sexploration with Monica. Kisses. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically. Or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com.